I'm here with uh, Vera Maria Santo, and uh, you were a guest on Life on the Rock, and uh, and I remember I heard about you with from your open letter to uh, James Martin, Father James Martin, and um, and I was glad somebody was, you know, presenting their truth in a very clear way, and so we're going to talk about all that. But first, you know, I wanted to ask you about your prayer life. You're mm-hmm. a lifelong Catholic and you're doing ministry, so you need to be connected to God. And uh, tell us about how you pray. Absolutely. So this has actually gotten significantly better um, over the past two weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> I just went on retreat um, with my good friend, Father Josh Johnson, uh, who is the priest of Holy Rosary uh, in uh, Santa Mon, Louisiana. So I made a personal retreat with him. And it was there that my prayer life really got reinvigorated uh, because I really rediscovered the fact that Christ wants a very intimate relationship with me. Um, One that, uh, you know, I I just wasn't expecting, you know, I wasn't, um, I don't think I was fully aware that he wanted something so deep, so personal, uh, so intimate. Um, And really how my prayer life has deepened, I would say, in that past week is that um, I really go into it trusting that God hears me and that God is present with me. And, you know, even that just kind of sitting and resting in the fact that not necessarily picturing his face, um, but resting in the truth that he's present with me. Um, has been really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a lot of times it's just me recollecting him throughout the day. You know, um, I'm very spontaneous just in my everyday life. So um, schedules or like liturgy of the hours or stuff, it just, it doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. you know? And I used to think that because I couldn't pray liturgy of the hours that, you know, I it just didn't love God enough, you know, which is not the case. It's just that the liturgy of the hours is not for me. Um, I'm very spontaneous in my prayer, very much so, you know, just uh, just recollecting God throughout the day. Or there are times, you know, sitting with the word and doing Lexio, whether I'm sitting outside or I'm walking around in nature or doing something like that. Um, but it's really come down to a foundation of resting in the fact that God is with me, which is my favorite title for God, Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah. And that is such a, it's kind of a classic uh, first step of prayer is like, you know, placing ourselves in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I find myself thinking about that more, <coughs> just not going too much farther yeah. with fancy meditation <laughs> or anything, but right. just, and as Catholics, we have the Blessed Sacrament, we mm-hmm. could pray there and, but you have had an extraordinary experience in prayer, which I love part of your story that you were in high school and um, you started to experience same-sex attraction mm-hmm. and you're Catholic, you're in a Catholic school and you felt very lonely and you were praying. Tell mm-hmm. us what happened. There. Right, so I remember it was either my junior or my senior year of high school. Um, to be completely blunt, I was pissed. I was just really angry with God, um, specifically about this cross. You know, I was just so angry, um, not really having any understanding of why God um, would allow me to suffer like that. You know, um, He could have easily taken it away, or you know, just not, you know, not letting me suffer through that in the first place. I was just so mad. I remember going, uh, it was after school, going to adoration after school. 
and sitting in front of the Blessed Sacrament, I was by myself and just so, so angry. Um, and I, I just remember just really letting God have it, you know, just like being like, why would you do this to me? Like, you know, I didn't kill anybody. I've been pretty good for most of my life. You know, like why, why do this to me? Why give me this cross? You know, why put this on my back? If you knew um, it was going to plunge me face down into the dirt, you know, why would you do that? And I just remember hearing in the silence of my heart, this sounds really familiar. You know, I could just tell God was like putting me in my place, which is exactly what I needed him to do. Um, But it changed so much for me. It changed the way I looked at um, everything that I was doing or everything that I was suffering through. And it changed the way that I looked at sin in general. Um, You know, Christ didn't ask for this cross. You know, it was something that, um, you know, was kind of placed upon him, but he accepted it, Mm -hmm. you know, and in the same way, I think, or in a similar sense, I didn't ask for the cross of same-sex attraction. You know, I didn't wake up one day and decide that I was going to be sexually attracted to women. And I doubt that most people end up like that. You know, like, I, I have a hard time believing that. So, you know, no matter how it manifested, no matter how I ended up with same-sex attractions, um, not to say that that doesn't matter, but it shouldn't be my focus. What should be my focus is, okay, now that I know that I experienced this, what am I going to do about it? You know, like, how am I going to live my life in accord with church teaching, in accord with um, the relationship that I know God is calling me to? Um, what am I going to do, you know, with this cross? How am I going to carry it? And was it real painful or difficult thing you had to work through about the possibility maybe of never you know never being able to get married mm-hmm. or was that it was a very real possibility especially f- because of you know the fact that when I, and ever since i was a little girl i've always had it in my mind that i was going to be married you know mm-hmm. i've just always had this fervent desire um to be married um so when you know same-sex attraction comes in like a wrecking ball in my life it kind of tore all of that down you know uh, it was kind of like i had nothing um le- it was kind of like i have nothing left to my name you know it was mm-hmm. kind of like a millionaire being stripped of all his money right then and there that was everything that i relied on right. you know that was that was everything that i had ever wanted and the possibility now of it seemed like to me that it was being stripped from me um you know, and even now that I'm, I'm still discerning marriage, you know, it's, um, it's still, you know, I have to recognize that this is something that I'm going to bring into my marriage with me, mm-hmm. you know, and there are some people, there are plenty of other people who don't see themselves ever being married. Um, but at the end of the day, what I operate under is the knowledge that Christ would not withhold anything from me that I need for my salvation. You know, he will give me every gift, every grace, every blessing that I need in order for me to, you know, achieve holiness one day. You know, so if he withholds marriage from me, then that must mean that I don't need it. You know, if he withholds consecrated celibacy from me, Uh then it must mean that I don't need it. So, you know, again, Christ didn't even withhold his own blood from me. So what makes me think that he's going to withhold the grace uh, the graces that I need um, to be able to achieve sanctity one day. Mm-hmm. I, I highly doubt that he would ever do something like that. He loves me too much. Right. 
And in your story, as we mentioned, uh, you experienced like some intense loneliness, even though being an extrovert, mm -hmm. an athlete, very a lot of friends, but um, experiencing a deeper loneliness because nobody knew mm -hmm. kind of some of your struggles. And have you found a solution to that? Is mm -hmm. that loneliness still there, or is it? Now the loneliness part is always going to be there, you know. Um, and the way that I look at it is that loneliness is, uh, you know, this this deep desire for heaven, you know, because if we were if we were completely content on earth, we'd stay here, you know, we wouldn't want to leave. Right. So uh, the loneliness that I experience. Um, it's kind of this constant reminder that I'm meant for something so much more. You know, it's this constant reminder that there is somewhere else that I'm called to be. You know, that I'm not called to stay here. Um, that I'm called to heaven, you know, where I will receive the answer to that loneliness. Because at the end of the day, whether I'm a consecrated single person or I'm eventually married, you know, even if I'm married, my husband is not going to be able to fill that void because that void is God-shaped. Mm -hmm. You know, he left that open for himself to fill. You know, right. God is not an idiot in the way that he designed us. You know, he's call he constantly yeah. calling us back to himself. So that's what loneliness is for me, um, is that constant reminder um, of the call that I have to to heaven yeah. one day, yeah. you know? And we could take all that to God too, you know, ask him to fill it and... Mm -hmm. and and have them satisfy us in, in those deep ways. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, the letters you wrote. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. That uh, because um, you were frustrated, but you were mm -hmm. hearing what Father James Martin, big social media presence, getting a lot of play in his work mm -hmm. and stuff, so to speak, and. Uh, and you sat down and wrote a letter. Mm -hmm. I did. I literally just, I'm 20 years old, I think, at this point, or, or I just turned 21, um, and just got frustrated. You know, I kept hearing about this guy. I really didn't even know who he was at the time, um, but I kept hearing you know, about this book and, and my spiritual director had given me a copy of his book and was like, I really want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, so I read most of it and just came away feeling really disturbed um, at the stuff that he was saying. And there was some stuff where I was like, I agree with what you're mm -hmm. saying, but you are missing the point of why <laughs> this is, you know, why this is correct or, you know, why this is a thing. So I decided just, I think I prayed the rosary, sat down at my computer, typed and sent it and left it alone. You know, I just uploaded it to my blog and left it. And, uh, the response that it got was mm. unlike anything I could have ever expected or imagined. Mm -hmm. um, there were just so many people um, who really resonated with what I had to say, which I thought was beautiful, you know, because so many people, I think, like you said, Father James Martin is, is a lot bigger than me on social media, mm -hmm. you know, like has thousands upon thousands mm -hmm. of followers, tens of thousands of followers. So, you know, the fact that people you could tell that people um, were upset by the, some of the things that he was saying, especially yeah. in regards to the topic of homosexuality. You could tell that people were thirsty for the truth. Mm -hmm. And that just made me so happy and, it, you know, really reinforced the fact that God had his hand on me with every word that I said. Um, it made me so happy just to see that 
people wanted the truth and that um, the Holy Spirit was able to use me yeah. um, to speak it. And your title was, You're Hurting Me, mm-hmm. Father James Martin. Because he is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, know, at the like, end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, the things that he preaches um, are hurting me yeah. and people like me, yeah. you know, because we deserve to be told the truth. Yeah. You know, Christ knew that and Christ still every day tries to to place people in my life to tell me the truth. And right. the fact that he's so open to lie to people mm-hmm. and then whether it is intentional or unintentional, I hope to God it's right. unintentional. Right. But I feel like his heart is in the right place, but he is doing the wrong thing. He is not helping anybody. Um, So your approach, you like to focus on a, like a call to chastity and holiness mm -hmm. and that we're not identified by, like a person's not identified by same sex attraction. Mm -hmm. And uh, talk about the call to chastity and holiness. Right, so we all have the call to chastity, you know, the catechism tells us this, and I feel like it's written on the heart of every man, you know, because Jesus was the ultimate model of chastity and how beautiful chastity could be. And it liberates us to love as we ought. You know, a a lot of people in the LGBTQ community will use, you know, this words like, I just wanna be free to love whoever I wanna love. This is exactly what chastity promises. You know, the best definition I think I've ever heard of freedom, I think came from uh, uh, Abbot Jean-Charles Nolte, who wrote a book called uh, The Noonday Devil, talking about the sin of acedia. And he said something along the lines of freedom, ultimate freedom, authentic human freedom, is the ability to willingly do as one ought not as one wants, because we can want things that aren't good for us. You know, I want to eat fast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, but I'm gonna blow up like a house if I do. You know, that's not a very good desire to have, you know, so. I know that's a simple principle. I always wanna say this. It's because I have this desire does not mean, mean I should, I should act, act on it. <laughs> I mean, it's like very basic stuff. Now right. I understand we're talking about sexuality. It's a very deep thing. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about lifelong communion. Right. So it's very painful. It's a very night. different yeah, thing yeah. than wanting to yeah. eat Whataburger yeah. for breakfast right. or dinner. Absolutely. <laughs> but still, it seems like the basic principle is the mm-hmm. same. That, yeah, that we're given this freedom as a power to do good. And there is a right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And that doing something wrong is not going to lead us to happiness, right. fulfillment. It's kind of simple. In absolutely, my mind. <laughs> absolutely, yes. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so you stress that, you know, your identity is a beloved daughter of God and and that, you know, marriage is not a man-made invention. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a line in your letter and that struck me because I know the church stresses that in her teaching that it comes from God, it's mm-hmm. ordained by God. And I, I know I was, you know, in preaching on this issue, especially when, you know, we're really battling in the country before mm-hmm. the Supreme Court decision, um, you know, to, you kind of want to make a natural law, purely natural law. Mm-hmm. And the church is stressing this comes from God, yeah. you know, <laughs> but uh, obviously there's natural law defense mm-hmm. of it. But can you talk a little bit about that, that it comes from God? It's right. like his plan for us? So marriage was again ordained by god so mm-hmm. oftentimes we hear the argument you know like marriage is a right everybody should have the right to marry yeah. which marriage is not a right 
Right. You know, no one has the right to marriage. Marriage is a sacrament. Marriage is much mm -hmm. higher mm -hmm. than a right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like this is not like a civil rights thing. This mm -hmm. is a sacramental thing. So the any government across the board, I don't care where it is, you know, whether it's in the United States or, you know, in Switzerland or Australia, wherever, wherever it's going to be, um, does not have the authority to change what marriage is or means. Mm -hmm. We simply do not have that authority. So I give the example that if we tomorrow change the rules of baseball, it, or hardly anybody's gonna bat an eye at that mm -hmm. because it's a man-made invention. You know, mm -hmm. baseball was created by man, so it can also be changed by man. Right. Um, and, you know, like in the, in the same way, like, God instituted marriage, so only he has the authority right. to say what marriage is. Right. You know, so just because in the United States, the Supreme Court has legalized, quote unquote, same-sex marriage, mm -hmm. does not automatically make it right. moral or, you yeah. know, like legality is not always equal morality. You yeah. know, I there was once a time in our, in our country's history yeah. where I could have been enslaved for the color of my skin, and that was perfectly legal. So just mm. because something is legal does not make it moral. Right. Yeah, people, I, yeah, they lose sight of that, how the law teaches, it forms culture, forms mm -hmm. morality. So yeah, it does matter. And and yeah, we say it's, you know, it's written in our human nature, this, you know, the call to marriage, the complementarity of the sexes, the different, mm -hmm. and they come together, they can be procreative. Mm -hmm. It's a unique, relationship yeah absolutely. so the church i mean so the government has a role in protecting that mm -hmm. because it's so vital to society mm -hmm. to make it healthy and not to blur what it means to be married because right, really you could say you know they say you know love wins or Mm -hmm. You know, the government shouldn't say who I love. And I'd say, you know, yes, amen. <laughs> yes. The government shouldn't tell amen. me who to love. <laughs> <laughs> amen. But the government has a role to protect this special right. relationship. So mm -hmm. really, I mean, really what the other side is saying that you could form any kind of, it could be two brothers. It could be a brother, you know, a guy and his uncle. Mm -hmm. What's to say none of that, you know? And it, you know, just say it has nothing to do with sex at all, mm -hmm. you know? Like there can be love and pure and intimate love mm -hmm. without sex. Yeah. You know, like that, I think that that's the, that's the problem that we have, especially in the United States, because we only have one word for love. Mm -hmm. Like I could say, I love my dog. Mm -hmm. And then I love my mom or I love my best friend. And like right. we use the same word yeah. for those three sentiments, yeah. but they all mean really different things. Right. You know, right. they are so different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there needs to be a distinction, right. I think, between those three different things, yeah. you know, because they are not the same. Right. So I think the Greeks, especially, where they have eros, they have philia, agape, you know, mm. like all these different forms yeah. of love yeah. um, that differentiated the different mm. levels of relationships that a person can have with, a, with another person. Right. And really eros um, is 
uh, even to the Greeks, it's kind of baseline. You know, mm. it's kind of <laughs> like mm. one of the the not lesser forms, yeah. but kind of one of the base level. Right, right, um, right. You know, so yeah. it wasn't even like it was that. It, it's powerful. Yeah. It wasn't, but it wasn't like one of the higher forms. Yeah. You know, so I think even philia, like brotherly love, mm. is even seen as a bit higher sometimes mm. as as eros. So I think we. I once heard, I once saw this on Twitter. I'll never forget this. There was one girl who she probably wasn't Catholic, maybe not even Christian, um, but she said something along the lines of, you know, does does anybody else feel touch deprived? And she was asking, does anybody else feel touch deprived? Um, because, and I'm not even talking about sex. She said she was talking about, you know, like somebody playing with her hair or like her putting her hand on someone's shoulder while they're sitting on the TV, sitting on the couch mm. watching TV. You know, she was like, no one prepared me for how lonely adult relationships really are. Yeah. And it hurt me so much to hear her say that yeah. because I knew exactly what she was talking about. Yeah. Like knew yeah. exactly what she meant. And I think that, it's such a sad reality that so many even adult or even like young people nowadays, friendships are so empty, so mm -hmm. void of really anything intimate and intentional because we're either so afraid that mm -hmm. it's going to develop into something sexual or we come into it thinking that it is something sexual yeah. and we ruin it, right. you know? It's just so sad that sex is being used and now times you know like even unintentionally being used to disrupt other relationships yeah, yeah. it's just so sad to see that happening in our yeah. culture and it's happening everywhere yeah everything is so uh yeah sexualized there's great pressure to make you know make it about everything mm -hmm. and I, I remember I reading a book, I think it was by Wendy Shallot like years ago, mm -hmm. something about his modesty and uh, and I think in there she had pictures of like, uh, like men, like old black and white photos mm -hmm. and hanging around each other. They were kind of like more touch, mm -hmm. had their arms around yeah. each other. And now today a lot of it is- Our uh, guys won't even touch each other, yeah. you know, because they think <laughs> they're just like, I don't want to be gay, so like I can't touch you. Like, no, like, he is your brother, uh -huh. you know, like yeah. he is your brother in Christ or, you know, he's your biological brother mm -hmm. or, you know, like we need those intimate friendships. It's mm -hmm. not even that it's touch, but uh, mm -hmm. there's a beautiful icon of, I believe it's Peter and Paul and the beautiful friendship that they have. And it's like, they're kissing each other on the cheek. Um, it's this beautiful icon yeah. of the two of them. Yeah. but. Like if that were to be made now or seen now by like our 2019 yeah. eyes, we might be like, oh, right. like, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's gay. Or like um, the the image, there's beautiful images out there of Jesus um, at the Last Supper where John is resting on the, the chest of Christ. Right. I love those images. Absolutely mm -hmm. love those images because John is called the beloved apostle for a reason. You know, he was one of Jesus's closest friends mm -hmm. and, you know, was there at the crucifixion, you know, was was close to Our Lady and took her into his home. Um, so he had this beautiful, intimate relationship with John. And even now, like you can even see in art sometimes that it's sexualized. Like John looks so feminine and yeah. in, uh, in some some art portraying the two of them. Yeah. Um, it does not have to be like that. Yeah. Relationships do not have to be validated right. by sex or by sexual undertones. You know, it, nothing makes me angrier now 
than to, uh, I, I think I, I talked to you about this earlier, when uh, it said, like, if, uh, if two girl female best friends don't look like lesbians or aren't asked if they're lesbians, are they actually friends? Mm. Like, yes, we are still friends. Right. <laughs> and there's nothing sexual about our relationship. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so it just, it hurts my heart that, you know, it seems to be sex that validates every relationship now. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. And I, you know, as a priest hearing confessions and you hear people's stories and you see, and this, this just struck me so powerfully the last few years is like when you take the great gift of sexuality out of the context of marriage mm -hmm. and it's so powerful to unite and everything, mm -hmm. but it just becomes destructive. It's so destructive. Yeah, when it's taken so, out of marriage. And, what was it? I think it's Jason Everett who was talking about how he compared sexuality to a raging river. Um, where if it's confined to the banks, yeah. it is so powerful, yeah. just rushes like in all these different directions, like all these deltas and, and whatnot. Yeah. I don't know science or geography. Yeah. Um, but as soon as that water flows outside of the banks, yeah. it is so destructive. Yeah. You know, like I, I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, you know, so we were hit by Katrina pretty heavily. You know, when all that water comes out where it's not mm -hmm. supposed to be, like ask anybody in New Orleans when those levees broke, mm -hmm. Like that's all that water coming out of where it was supposed to be right. is tragic, devastating. Yeah. Like yeah. probably parts of New Orleans are still yeah. recovering from Katrina all these yeah. years later. What was Katrina, 2005 or something? something? Like it's 2019 mm -hmm. now, it's still recovering. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so left in the confines of where it's supposed to be marriage, it is so beautiful, so profound, and does and can do exactly what it's meant to do, you know, provide yeah. children to the two spouses, join them together, mm -hmm. making them one. Um, but as soon as it goes outside, yeah. it is incredibly destructive. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you wrote this letter, you got a lot of feedback. What was some of the positive feedback you got? So some of the positive feedback was people just uh, thanking me for being a Catholic who told the truth about Catholicism. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, like actually said things that were in line with church mm -hmm. teaching, um, which I was kind of surprised by that, that so yeah. many people were so thankful for that because you know, even though I grew up not hearing much about it, I just kind of assumed that maybe other people did and I just wasn't that lucky. Yeah. But apparently it's a worldwide issue that homosexuality yeah. is not talked about and mm -hmm. is kept hush-hush or is misrepresented in the church, yeah. which we've seen so much of in the past few years. Um, so I was just really shocked by the fact that people really resonated just with the fact that I said something, period. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fact that people were so excited to hear somebody actually say something that the Catholic Church actually taught. Yeah. One of our brothers was sharing with us at dinner some of the studies he's done that, you know, we're, we live like in this postmodernist age. Mm -hmm. where, like modernism, like 1800s and stuff, Descartes. Mm -hmm. This great emphasis on like experimental, I have to be able to see it, touch it, hold it, mm -hmm. for it to be right. true. And now it's like we're even, there's even a doubt of just science. Mm -hmm. and, I have to feel it in order for it to be true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's like 
so the church, some people in the church want to enter into the public sphere, mm -hmm. but they, they feel like they can't bring any truth reference. Mm -hmm. So it just becomes works of charity or something, mm -hmm. but it's like you're emptying the gospel of any kind of teaching formation content. Right, right. Just to survive in the mm -hmm. culture. But then, you know, what are we doing then? Right. It's like, but and I think that's a part of your letter here as well that, you know, you say that, you know, about the teaching that, you know, homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. Mm -hmm. And that means we can never do them. Mm -hmm. It's always wrong in each and every case mm -hmm. to to commit yes. you know, these acts. So I, w I was struck, you know, the church was on this, I thought, a very good defense. You know, like in the mid-70s, the CDF released a statement on Declaration of Sexual Ethics, and mm -hmm. it talked about any attempt to normalize homosexual activity is wrong, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what, we're, that's what we're doing today. And I feel like, you know, it's just like exponentially grown mm -hmm. that way. But that's like a bottom line. You can never act out on this. Right. Now you're a child of God, you're loved by him, you're good, mm -hmm. but these acts are disordered, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and the church is not saying that to oppress people, yeah. you know, or, or to just be like that evil puppet master saying like, you can't do this. Like yeah. the church is not doing that. Yeah. What the church is saying is that any desire that tr like in, in relation to me, let's just put this on me for a second. Christ is saying to me, any desire that you have that does not lead you to me, like straight back to me, does not deserve, you know, taking hold of your heart. Right. You know, mm -hmm. does not deserve to be even yeah. meditated on yeah. by you. You know, God loves me so much. He does not want me to be, you know, really held captive by any desire that would lead me away from him. You know, he wants eternity for me. So this, really the, these acts, what they do is, again, they take sex out of the context of marriage. You know, marriage is between one man and one woman. You know, we know this from Genesis. So again, this is pretty much the same sin whether it's masturbation to, or pornography, whether it is a married man sleeping with a woman that is not his wife, you know, it's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's all the same sin performed differently. Mm -hmm. So there are certain churches, and I've had this happen to me, where I'll, I'll give an example of, of me going to confession at some point and um, somehow bringing up the fact that I had same-sex attractions. I don't remember how it came up. But I remember talking to this priest um, and saying, you know, something about it. And he looked at me and said, well, I don't believe acting on same-sex attractions is wrong. You know, this is a Catholic priest in the confessional mm -hmm. telling me this, you know. So I, I walked out of that confessional so heartbroken, so distraught that I was lied to in the confessional by somebody I should have been able to trust, right. you know? And this is the profound effect that not establishing, um, you know, what the Catholic Church's real teachings are on homosexuality, and then not making sure that they are being enforced. You know, this, this priest, he could still be out there telling people the exact same thing that he told yeah. me, where 
thanks be to God, he didn't shake my faith. Mm -hmm. But say somebody else came in after me who maybe wasn't in the same position as me and walked out scandalized yeah. by the same priest, you know, because he was allowed to say that in his position. Right. You know, we need to be very clear on what the church teaches. And it's not, again, not because we're pointing fingers or doing anything like that, but because God is begging us, especially his fathers, you know, his priests, mm -hmm. to tell his sheep the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, he entrusted our priests with that. And I'm afraid for the souls of the priests who lie in the mm -hmm. confessional or, you know, anywhere else, yeah. you know, again, it, it's not all because of me, but because the repercussions involved in that, right. you know, if you lead even one of my children astray, mm -hmm. it says in the gospels, you know, even one of them, yeah. it's so frightening, you right. know, and I, I don't want any priest in that position to be held accountable for that. You yeah. know, I would ask for mercy for all of them, but you know, if there's even no call to repentance, how are they supposed to know, mm -hmm. you know, like what's coming? Have you have you gotten a lot of pushback in social media world, like people tearing into Oh, that? absolutely. You know, it's mostly <laughs> like 40 year old people still in their parents basements that would never say it to my face. Um, but, you know, there's there's always going to be like a few people who don't necessarily agree with my stance. Um, but mostly it's you know, it's, it's these backhanded comments, you know, like people just like saying things that um, I've noticed come from a place of some real hurt. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the way that it's worded or the message that's coming across. It's just I can tell that they are it's blood dripping forth from a lot of wounds. Yeah. You know, it's just it's blood that's been tainted by hurt and by sorrow yeah. and you know, it's it's disheartening to me. It's it's it doesn't really affect me in the way where I, I feel like I have to like stop my ministry or anything. What hurts is that people are out there suffering in such a way um, and kind of taking it out on me, right. but also not taking into account that you know maybe I could maybe the Holy Spirit could use me to do something to help. Right. You know, and yeah, at the end of the day that's all I want to do is, is help people. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, again, those comments are always going to come. There's always going to be people, especially on this topic, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's always going to be people who, uh, disagree or, you know, who might, you know, want to do me harm or cause violence or something like that. But, um, at the end of the day, this is a message that needs to be preached and there are some really brave people out there preaching it yeah. and you know i'm i'm happy to do what i do mm -hmm. so and part of the message of hope of the gospel is the cross that mm -hmm. the trials struggles sufferings people have can be redemptive mm -hmm. for their souls and for other people right and so yeah we could say yeah, the, the chastity message can be very, it's a battle, right? The, cat, mm -hmm. the catechism speaks of the battle for chastity. It can be hard, it can mm -hmm. struggle. But in carrying that cross, there's a resurrection, yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. that's a message you get out there. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, I love the um, to, to talk about how, uh, you know, Good Friday and Easter Sunday came in that order for a reason. 
-hmm. you know there's uh, there's never the promise or the the uh, the sufferings of Good Friday never come without the promise of the resurrection should we carry that cross in the way that we are called to you know in a way where we ask for God's grace and his strength and we can we can get there that is yeah. absolutely possible and he desires that for us yeah. but again we have to suffer first yeah. you know but at the end of the day too like it should be noted that suffering and joy are not mutually exclusive mm -hmm. concepts. You can be joyful in the midst of suffering. I forget which saint it was that said, um, Christ on the cross was a joyful man mm -hmm. because he laid down his life for those he loved. You know, mm -hmm. he was doing, um, you know, what he was doing what he wanted to do. He wanted to save us. Right. And, you know, we can partake in that. You know, we can partake in the mystery of that we can partake in uh, the crucifixion and you know as St. Paul says make up from what is lacking um, and the fact that I can take part in that is in itself a joyful experience you know but I, and I may not ever know who I'm suffering for um, but at the end of my life God is going to make it very clear to me um, who all this was for mm -hmm. you know he's going to make it very clear to me like why, why I did what I did. Now you speak at uh, courage confer conferences. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you able to go to high schools and things? I am. So yeah. I, I'm booking up very quickly for the new year and in years to come. I do youth groups, uh, speaking at parishes, conferences, events, high schools, um, you know, all kinds of conferences. I know I'm getting the opportunity to speak to my, uh, in my archdiocese in Mobile, I'm getting to speak to all of our deacons that are in formation, which is super exciting. Um, all the, the seminarians I might get to speak to at some point. Uh, so I do do that. Um, if you would like to have me out to your event, um, be sure to, uh, uh, contact Nick N I C at yourcatholicmedia.com or go to thirdmillenniummedia.com and look for me. Okay. And I don't want to let you go just yet. But, uh, <laughs> would you like in high school level? Would you be speaking like at Catholic schools? Would that be kind yeah, of, most yeah, likely. But yeah. I have uh, I actually have done one event at a uh, I think a, a Baptist uh, youth event. Oh, okay. So yeah, back back in Mobile. What kind of response do you get? I think kids are pretty shocked, honestly, um, <laughs> at the position that I take. Um, I, I've heard people like jokingly call me a unicorn <laughs> just because it seems like no one like me should exist. Um, but here I am. I do. I exist. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I experience a lot of joy in carrying my cross. And I think... I do have a very unique story, but the thing is, I shouldn't, you know, it should not be as unique as it is. And I want to invite people into um, this joy that I found and this relationship with God that I found. And it's just, it's so provocative, it's so powerful that I cannot keep it to myself. You know, I have to at least make people aware that mm -hmm. it is available to them. Um, if they don't accept it, you know, that's on them. And um, at the end of the day, there's not much that I can do, but the Holy Spirit can move mountains in people. And I have seen him do it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I cannot... Uh, just let this grace just be within me. You know, I have to share it with other people. Mm -hmm. So you've got some 
good response and people that kind of want more and yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. it's been it's been a powerful experience so far i've really yeah. only been in uh, my speaking ministry for about a year mm -hmm. and have traveled all over the country mm -hmm. um you know I'm, I'm here now i was just in baton rouge um i've been to Providence, Rhode Island. I've been to Maryland. Um, I'm speaking at a, a conference in front of 5,000 people in Bismarck, North Dakota in October, wow. like just going all these different places. <laughs> and that's going to be my biggest audience yet. I'm kind of uh, nervous about that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's going to be an incredible, incredible experience. Yeah. Um, and it just, it has been so far. I've loved every second of it. Do you have some special patron saints you like to pray to? Oh my goodness. Uh, Saint Joseph, I think is, uh, is he's my, he's my spiritual, he's my spiritual papa. Um, he is, uh, he's done some really powerful things for me and just shown himself um, to be my father and be my protector mm -hmm. in ways that I'm, I'm still figuring out mm -hmm. <laughs> to this day. Um, I, I feel like I have a very Carmelite spirituality. So um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel specifically, mm. you know, the Mary, the Mother of God, but specifically her as Our Lady of Mount Carmel um, has been really powerful. Mary, Mother of God? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, just that title or connected to Carmel? Um, no, it's, I don't think it's connected uh, to Carmel, yeah. but just who she is, oh, you right, know, right. the Mother of God. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I love Our Lady of Mount Carmel okay. as well. And then uh, um, St. Therese and uh, her parents have been kind mm -hmm. of really active in my life as well. Yeah. So. Joan of Arc is my confirmation saint too. I kind of picked her <laughs> That's out of spite. That's the one I see. Yeah, yeah. She I, it was so funny. I picked her out of spite because I wanted to pick a guy um, but for some reason I wasn't allowed to. Um, so I was like, I'm just gonna find like the manliest girl I can find. <laughs> you know, like little yeah. seventh grade, little 12 year old yeah. me being so rebellious. Um, but I'm, I'm really appreciative of my little rebellious face because she is a, she's a powerful saint. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about too, like the pressures in the culture. And I, I'm thinking like the media, it just mm -hmm. seems like so many movie shows, it's just, just so it feels like it's just gratuitously put out mm -hmm. there the homosexual relationship. Yeah. You can't see, you can't watch a new TV show that comes out that doesn't have LGBTQ characters, which yeah. is like, they're saying that there's like a lack of representation. And at this point, I'm like, where? <laughs> like, where? Like, like percentage-wise, it's, it's probably everywhere. overly represented. <laughs> you know, it's everywhere. No, yeah. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we spoke a little bit specifically about 13 Reasons Why, mm -hmm. and you had an interesting reaction to that show. Tell yeah. us about that. So I watched it, and I had a lot of people, you know, kind of ask me questions about it. Um, I, I watched, for, for reference, I watched all of season one and all of season two. I don't know if I'm going to watch season three because I don't know if I can take it. But, like, the show just... When I watched it, or when I came away from watching it, my soul just felt so disturbed, just so deeply disturbed having come away from it. I feel like I have an understanding of what they were trying to do. What they were trying to do is convey how negative of an effect bullying and, you know, like some of the other elements in the show, like, just how negative of an effect these things have, especially on young people. Um, and just some of the things that 
teenagers experience, you know, like this rape culture and things like that, um, mm -hmm. you know, that is definitely, definitely exists in both high school and college. You know, like the, I am not denying that some of the stuff that goes on in that show mm -hmm. is not accurate. Mm -hmm. There are definitely a lot of very accurate representations of things that do happen and that I've not necessarily experienced myself, but have experienced in other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I have heard the horror stories. I've heard, I've had friends call me in the middle of the night and say, such and such did this to me, or this happened. I'm not saying that that isn't happening. What I think so deeply disturbed me about this show was it seemed like a glorification of all of that that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was the way that it was portrayed or, you know, just something, something along those lines, it just left me thinking that this is probably doing a bit more harm than good. Mm -hmm. And I think there have been studies that have said um, more and more children have committed suicide and mm -hmm. attributed it mm -hmm. to watching 13 Reasons Why and then doing stuff like Hannah did, you know, like mm -hmm. leaving tapes or like, you know, doing things like that. I've, I've heard of stuff like yeah. that happening as well. You know, so it, it really begs the question, is the way that this sh show is taking place or what is, you know, being said or how all these events are being represented? Is this the most healthy way to do that? Right. And I think that they miss the mark. Yeah. Yeah, to have like healthy solutions, you mm -hmm. know, have like good adults that could guide them right. and, and show them, a, you know, to help them whatever struggles they have. Mm -hmm. And and to me, it feels like, uh, you know, it promotes homosexuality, mm -hmm. you know, in a, yeah. kind of a serious way. But uh, so, yeah, just like the, the media messages are so so difficult today yeah, i think you used the word militant earlier which Milit was yeah. ex <laughs> exactly how i would how yeah, i would yeah. uh, describe it definitely and in the spirit of joan of arc though you say we should not back off out of you fear should. of no. being called a homophobe <laughs> yeah. or a bigot or because at the end of the day they're probably going to say that to us anyway so we <laughs> might as well just get used to it and just keep on marching just keep going yeah well, I think it's fantastic. You're 22 and doing that. And, uh, you know, I think young voices and women's voices today have a special power. And when you all are, are speaking truth to power, I think it's really effective. Thank today, you. So. Praise God. All him. Keep up the good work. And thank thanks you. Thanks for talking with us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>